Yeah, we're into week five. Two to go. One to go. You've done five. Um, I was going to start with a test to see how much you'd actually remembered, but I decided that you are the perfect students and you've taken it all in. Okay, so that's okay. No test. Um, wondering how well you're talking about this in your connect groups and small communities. You're doing that? Yeah? And Fenton, I've got a question. What's a dog man? Yeah, you did too. You had that question, didn't you? Did you have to walk your dog every day? The other end, you've got a guy at the top who's the rigger, so he attaches the sheets, and the guy at the bottom who makes sure it goes in the right place, he's the dog man. Okay. <laughs> you really wanted to know that, didn't you? Now you know. I just wondered if females could be a dog man, but never mind. I'm not going to look for that occupation. Thanks greatly. You know what, Fenton? I really love your God. It was an exciting story of teenage commitment and the hand of God progressively, sustainably on you. And that thrills me because we've learned that that's what our walk with God is like. So thank you for the great introduction to my little topic tonight, God. God. And, uh, you know, the theology of God, I don't know what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of God. Yell it out. God. Go on, yell out something. Say it. I hear love. I hear this. I don't hear much over here. Yes. Yes. I thought we'd go on forever, but never mind. Yeah, God. 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 God is beyond, you wrote that? Other, greater, bigger, unknowable, mystery, almighty, creator, owner of all, sustainer, in control. There's a lovely little verse in um, Psalm 24 that said, God made everything, and everything belongs to God. Full stop. That's really all you need to know about God. God made everything. You got that? And everything belongs to God. So do you belong to God? The answer is yes. Does your neighbor belong to God? The answer is Does the person who doesn't know God belong to God? The answer is yeah, everything. So really that little verse is pretty important for us to know that God made everything and everything belongs to God. Now, I'm not really sure how you go about defining God because, you know, we've talked about theology being your attempt, my attempt to try and explain and understand God. Now, when I was newly out of Bible college 50-plus years ago, because I too am retired, and uh, when you're retired, you get back to sit back and enjoy life. So the thing is, when I came out of Bible college, I knew God. I knew theology. I'd done theology. I was the expert. I thought I knew God. And I was going to tell everyone about God. Because didn't I study theology? Sure I did. But you know, I discovered something. God changed. But I knew there was a verse in Malachi that says God doesn't change. And so I had this tension inside thinking, oh my goodness, what's happened? God's changed. But who really had changed? I changed 
But it seemed as if my God became bigger and greater and more exciting, and that's been continuous. My God has not become smaller. My God has become bigger, and I've followed him for a long time now. And I feel as though my knowledge is insignificant. So if I put this little dot here, that's you and me and everyone in this world and all of our knowledge, and this is all God. See how insignificant we are? We really are insignificant. And yet, we can know God. I think that's pretty important. So if you think you can define God, that definition is a God created in your image and words. Do you get that? So you've got your God like this, and this is God, so that becomes your God, and that is what you have created and you worship. So as soon as you think you've got a handle on God, that is your creation. That is a God that you have created, in in a way, that is an idol, because God is bigger than, greater than, beyond. Now, we've, t- we've learned a lot, of, a lot of things in these last five weeks, and I think I've been here for each of them, and I've been excited, and I've learned lots and enjoyed the journey, and I still know there's, there's a lot I don't know. But this is what I know. When I listen to someone do their God talk, that is, talking about God, it tells me a lot about who they think their God is. So if I hear someone taking the name of the Lord in vain, that tells me a lot about how much they respect Jesus. If I hear, oh my God, all the time, it also tells me a lot about the carelessness of our language around God. Do you get that? So our God talk actually tells me a lot. But I also know that we don't always know what we believe, but we also don't know what we don't believe. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So we've got a certain bit of knowledge, but it's still pretty insignificant. That's all of our knowledge, and all of those books, all of those people who's been to uni, all that kind of stuff, it still only adds up to that. So don't worry, we're insignificant, but we can know him, we can know our God, and we can be known by God, and that's the beauty So I say it's not really about what you say you believe or what you think you believe or about your God talk, about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Father God, Creator. It's how you pray because theology is really meant to be about how can my God and me communicate and be together. It's all about relationships. And remember, Dr. Andrew, the night he said, our lifestyle needs to reflect what we believe. And so that's something else I also do. I watch people. And that tells me a lot about what they believe. And so I know it takes a long time for stuff to get from here to here. It's only got six inches. But then it's got another couple of, you know, to get out there and to be the practice and what we do in our walking and talking and sleeping and all of that. So our practice also reflects what we believe. So we've got the theology of God. If you remember, Andrew reminded us about 
the fact that everything was good between God and humans until humans decided that their opinion was the most important. And so they chose to live without God. And ever since then, God was on a rescue mission to create a new Garden of Eden, a new relationship, a new way of knowing him. And so our history from the beginning of creation to right now, however long that has been, I haven't got a clue, however long that has been, there have been humans who have been trying to create gods. And all the time they've been trying to reach God and try to find out who is this God. And we cannot know God unless God introduces himself. And that is a theological word called revelation. God must reveal who he is so that we can know this God. Fortunately, God is very gracious, and God took the initiative and disclosed to humans and introduced God to us. There's a little verse in Deuteronomy 29, 29. I learned this one, this verse, 50 years ago, so you too can learn this one. It's a really important verse. I think we've got it up here. The secret things belong to God. There's a lot of stuff we'll never know. Just accept it, okay? And if anyone believes they know everything, just give them a wide berth. <laughs> because the secret things belong to God. But the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever to observe all the words of this law. That verse is very, very freeing for someone who likes to know everything. There's a whole lot of stuff that I'll never know. And as soon as someone pretends that they know all about God, I just steer it clear. I want to know about their journey with God and how God has been working in their lives, not the secret information. You might remember too, Christoph said that God works order out of chaos. Remember? He works order progressively. And so I take that to mean that's how I get to know God Almighty. From my chaotic, messy life, I progressively get to know this God more and more as I learn to love this God with all of I have and what I understand to be where I am at a certain point of time. That's all he asks me. That's all I'm meant to do is to relate to God in the light of what I know today. That's pretty freeing too, isn't it? So let's just get on with this little theology. Let's build something up here about a theology. We learned from Genesis 1 and 2 from Christoph that we're already we're introduced to a God who is a multi-complex personality. Did you get that? Multi-complex personality. And it's not until we get to Jesus that we get to know more about this multi-complex personality. But in Genesis 1, we've got the Spirit of God hovering. So we're introduced to the Spirit of God in Genesis 1, verse 2, but we don't really get to know much more about the Spirit until John, just after Jesus go, until Acts. But the Spirit was always there, always, always, and appeared throughout the Old Testament. And uh, so we've got this 
progressive way of getting on with God. Now, I'm going to do diagrams. I can't teach without that because that's how I think and my journal is full of diagrams. It's full of little things. So I have this circle, which you can't see has a beginning or an end. (laughs) Um, Because proper circles don't have beginnings or ends. Is that right? No beginning, no end. Now, for me, that is very basic. Now, a diagram doesn't tell the total truth. It's a way for us to help understand what is. Now, this said to me, it says to me that God is eternal. He has no beginning, no end, and God is one. Now, every day, the Hebrew people, the Jews even to this day, would quote this verse, and they say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And we think that's Jesus' language, but it was right back there in the time of Moses. But they were pounded. The Lord our God is one. Now, when you're brought up on that and Jesus appears on the scene, it's really hard to understand. I get that. But let's see if we can go there. We know that our God is a multi complex personality. And God is revealed to us in a way that we primarily understand as three, God, Father, and Son. Okay? You're used to the Trinity? Now, I am going to uh, talk a little bit about this tonight, and this is why I need a diagram. As we read the scriptures progressively, we get introduced with lots and lots and lots of different names of God. And yet there are three that basically describe the multi-complex personality. But there's lots of names. You, You know some of the names. Lord Almighty, Yahweh, Provider, El Shaddai, if you want the names, Rock, Shepherd, there's lots of names from God. And I could introduce and talk to you about God tonight through the names of God. I could talk to you through a historical way of talking about God. But I've chosen tonight to talk about God geographically. I'm going to use a model of geography, geographically. So here's my question, the first geography question. Where is your God? Where is your God? Now, when I ask that, most people say, everywhere. That's the right answer, isn't it? The theological term is omnipresent. He's present, omniscient, everywhere, all-knowing. But where is your God? So I'm going to introduce you to three words. God is, is can you see that above? God is with... And God is within. So I'm talking about it in a geographical location for us. And usually, when we talk about our God above, uh, we talk about God up there. Is that, you, you've heard that? God out there, God up there. We know God's above. God's greater than. God is almighty. God is creator. So when I think about my God above, I'm talking and thinking about the greatness, the grandeur, 
the otherness, the mystery of God that I really have difficulty comprehending and getting my head around. And when I talk about God like that, it makes me feel very insignificant. And so from that comes awe and wonder and worship. And so that is basically how I relate to the God above. It is with awe and a different kind of worship. Yes, thanksgiving and noise, but it, sometimes I don't have words. It's like, wow. The big, wonderful, amazing creator God loves me. I find that to be out of this world <laughs> above. And then I have with. And it is the with that we come to with Jesus and the within that we have spirit. So I'm just going to put a name that we often call this God up here is Father. We've just come to know this God mainly as Father. But that is also limiting because the one above is also creator. And we know that the word, Jesus, all things were created in him, through him, for him. We know that the Holy Spirit was there at creation. So the Father is God. But the Father, God is more than the Father. Have you got that? The Father is God, but God is more than the Father. But the Father's role was to send. He is a sender. Okay? I love getting parcels and I have a look to see who is the sender. And the one who is the sent one is Jesus. But Jesus is God and always has been God. There's never a time when Jesus was not God. In the beginning, whenever the beginning was, the word already existed alongside God. John 1 verse 1. So Jesus is always God, but this is how we get to know this God in a beautiful, wonderful way. Um, and then we know, I just wanted to say, how does God reveal himself today? Let's go to this verse in Hebrews 1 and verses 1 and 2. We have one God, our God is one. In the times past, that is before Jesus, God spoke in fragmentary and varied ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these final days, God has spoken through the only begotten, who has been made heir of all things and through whom the universe was first created. God, Christ is the reflection of God's glory, the exact representation of God's being. All things are sustained by God's powerful word. So we know that Jesus is God. Jesus was with God. And there's never a time when Jesus was not God. But the trouble was with prophets and dreams and angels, people didn't get the big picture. And then it was just one or two at a time, and then they had to speak it out. And, you know, humans are human, and they make up a lot of stuff. You know, God might say this much, but people say this much. <laughs> and 
our Bible has got lots of truth statements from humans about God, but it's also got a lot of garbage that the people did. David was never told to murder someone, but David became a mouth, mouthpiece for God. And so God knew that to get a big picture, a proper picture of Jesus, dreams were not enough, angels were not enough, prophets were not enough. Jesus, flesh, because he created humans, and humans needed to see and hear and touch and feel and know and bear witness to. That's what the disciples wrote about Jesus when they saw him. And so Jesus says, look at me, look at me, and you will know God, the Father. Everything you want to know about God, look at me. Look at me. That's what he could say. I think that's incredible. So we've got God beyond, above. We worship in awe. Jesus comes and he's with us. Now, many, many years ago, I created this word and I've discovered that lots of other writers have stolen it from me. Okay. That there is the withness that Jesus is with me all the time. You see, it's one thing to have a God that you think about up here that's so big, mysterious, creative, huge, beyond. I want a God like that, who can do the impossible. But I also need a God who's with me every day. Someone that I can chat to, talk to, um, blow off steam to. Someone who understands, who won't leave me, who keeps saying, Sandy, Sandy, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you forever. You've got me. You've got me. You can't run away from me. Here I am. I am with you. And it's like a friend, the forever friend, the friend who's there because this Jesus tells me that he will never leave me. Now, we know that we have a spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who we were introduced to in Genesis, very, very early on in the peace. And we know that this Holy Spirit, obviously I've lost track of my notes because I'm doing this all from memory, so I haven't got a clue where I'm up to, so just excuse me for a minute. Um, the Holy Spirit is actually the one who's spoken of as the promised one. We think it was Jesus. Jesus was the promised Messiah, okay? The promised Savior, the promised Messiah. But look at this verse from Acts 1.4. Jesus says to his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem. Jesus was going to leave them, but they're not to leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. So the Holy Spirit is the gift. Jesus is the one who is given to us. The Father is the giver. So we say thank you very much for sending Jesus and giving us Jesus. And we say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life, into my being, into this Community, there is welcome, there's embrace. Welcome, welcome, Jesus. I don't want to close the door on you. And with the Holy Spirit, what do you do with a gift? Receive it. 
and you spend your whole life unpacking it. That's really good. So we are to receive. I before E except after C. Well, you got that. When I write, I can't spell. I can't even spell when I can write. <laughs> okay, so here is the challenge of this kind of theology. Have I, do I, worship in a way that brings awe and majesty and the wonder of God? The thanks, have I welcomed Jesus with incredible gratitude and knowing that I can talk to Jesus as the one who is with me? Jesus said in Hebrews, I'm not ashamed to be called your brother. I'm not ashamed at all. No shame in that. Treat me as your friend. Jesus also said, as a friend, I'll tell you everything. Nothing's hidden. So that is a really chatty, one-on-one, have a coffee with Jesus moment, okay? But this one is the one that lives within. And this one reminds us, the Holy Spirit speaks with our spirit and says, we belong. We belong. I know who your true father is. Look at Romans 8. We haven't got time to go there. But we need to be able to welcome Jesus. And some of you, many of you have done that. But keep on receiving the Holy Spirit. This calls us to learn the practice of waiting, of listening. Because we're told that the Spirit will guide, the Spirit will teach, the Spirit will affirm, the Spirit will be with you. The Spirit will bring comfort. Now, all of that means I've got to hang around in the presence of God so that I can know what to do. With this one, I sing, I shout, I cry, I weep, I yell, I scream, just like Job did, Moses did. And here, I stand in awe and know. So this is our God. Our God is one. We know this God as three. The Father is not God alone, but the Father is God. The Spirit is God, but not the Spirit alone. Jesus is God, but not just Jesus. Don't ask me how it works. It is a mystery. It's beyond my comprehension. I've just tried to do it a little bit so they'll help you. So how do I pray? Do I pray to God? Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter but there's different ways if you wanted to learn the different ways. But in it all, we can talk, we can communicate, we can chat, we can praise, we can worship, we can be silent, we can yell, we can scream, we can jump up and down, we can be full of joy, so much. This is our God. This is our God. The God who loves you, the God who gave Jesus, who came, and lived among us, his life given so that we might live. We welcome this Jesus and we receive the gift of the Spirit. Who will tell us that we are the children of God? Let me pray. Thank you, Lord. You are, you are the great, eternal, ever-present God with us right now. We belong to you. And some of us, Lord, enjoy that belonging. We know it. And we have a special belonging called being the children of God. Jesus with us, the spirit within.
And Lord, my prayer for each one here right now is that we will go that next step in our progressive journey of moving from chaos to order in our lives. May God be with you. May you know the abundance of his love and power. Amen.